What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Friday, which means it is time for Power to the Pod, where your questions, your hot takes, your topics are all rolled into one brilliant show, and I'm just along for the ride. So let's get dialed in here on Locked on Dolphins and hear what you, the Dolphins fan base, want to talk about. Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, Dolphins fans, and welcome to the Friday, November 19th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting and draftnetwork.com. Excited to get into Power to the Pod. We are not live on the YouTube stream with today's episode. We've got some banked iTunes reviews that I want to get to, a really good Twitter question as well. So we're going to be going back through the best week of questions that I've received from you guys about this team, uh, the direction of this team, the players on the team, uh, the trajectory of, of individual talents and the player assessments, all that good stuff. I want to thank you for making Locked On Dolphins uh, your first listen of the day. We know you have a lot of great choices out there. There are a lot of great friends and colleagues in this space who do great work. And to know that Locked On Dolphins is on your queue uh, means a lot to me. So with that said, uh, let's get into some iTunes reviews that have been dropped over the course of uh, the past week regarding the Dolphins. And we're going to start with one from Big E. And I don't know if it's that Big E, fan of the year Big E. But I do know that he did leave a five-star review of the show, which we're always very thankful for. And a question about Greg Little. Anyone who listens to the show knows of your disdain for Jesse Davis. My question is, how bad is Greg Little if he can't beat out one of the worst right tackles in the league? How are you still in the league? And most importantly, why did we trade for this guy? Obviously, the Greg, Greg Little got hurt at practice this past week and has been put on IR, so it's kind of a moot point now. But I think the Greg Little saga, for me, kind of embodies and encapsulates a lot of the, um, the, the discrepancy in perception between picking up offensive linemen and the reality of picking up offensive linemen. Uh, because the offensive line talent in the NFL is scarce. It's already scarce, which is why for me, you know, going back to what we talked about the other week, we need to get the coach, that positional coach to be a rock star, whoever we choose to take that spot and work with understanding that your, your talent is going to have player limitations the guys most typically, especially in season, that are available to add via the waiver wire or via trade are fringe rosterable players because teams aren't letting good offensive linemen walk out the door. I mean, just when, when we put the when we signed Andrew Billings, I said, yeah, I'm pumped. And I got somebody on Twitter that said, yeah, but what, where, where's the offensive line help? There's no offensive lineman worth a damn hitting the waiver wire. 
there's just not. So that's what makes the availability of guys like Rodney Hudson, who the Cardinals traded a three for, despite the fact that it was like 31 and getting $10 million a year. Like Arizona Cardinals, they've done a nice job in trading picks for players between DeAndre Hopkins and Rodney Hudson at the center position to really align their offense to be in a good spot. So as we get into this offseason, acquiring established NFL talent is going to continue to be the drum that I beat, especially if you want to fix the offensive line. Because we had the Cleveland Browns just took two really good offensive guards off the market. Wyatt Teller got a contract extension, and then Joel Batonio a day later got his contract extended. If you're a high-level NFL starter on the offensive line, teams aren't typically letting you walk. So you're going to have to trade for one, or you're going to have to draft him. Miami's trying to draft him. And the ones who even hit free agency, as long as you're comfortable paying that 125% premium price, you can go out and get him. Kind of a scary thought, though. Of course, it's, it's, we, know, we all know the risks of living and dying in free agency. JZW83 with a would you rather question, which is always fun. Would you rather have the Dolphins rally in the second half of the season and beat the bad teams on the schedule if it means Greer and Flores are back next year or continue to struggle if it means cleaning house and having a new coach and GM? Assume modest player development in both cases. I don't want to root for anybody to lose their job. I want to be very clear about that. I want to see everybody who's affiliated with this organization, I want to see them have success, and you should too, regardless of what you think or believe, because they are the guys who are here, which means their success is going to be tied to team success until they're not. Um, I would love to see a rally. I would love to see Miami complete this pushback to 500 and have a lot of momentum going in the last three games of the season and just see what happens. They've got the bye week in this block. They've got Jets twice in the next four games. They've got the Giants and Panthers as the other two with a bye week tucked in there. I would love to see the rally because you assessing the entire product, even if there is a rally, it's not going to make the issues with coaching go away. Those co- the, we've seen those issues that exist. Now, if they rally and they close the gap and they get back to 500 and say they finish eight and nine, that's our job and Stephen Ross's job and Chris Greer's job and Brian Flores's job to look at what happened and understand that there are fundamental flaws with what we have done to this point that need to change. If you're going to tell me you get to eight and nine and you finish the year eight and nine, which means you go really hot down the stretch and everybody kind of throws their hands up and says, yeah, we're fine. See, we told you, we just had a couple bad injuries, so we're not going to change anything. We're going to keep the co-offensive coordinators. We're going to maintain what we have from an assistant coaching staff perspective. Uh, we're going to continue to just draft young offensive linemen and not bring in experienced players that can help bridge the gap. Then I'm out because that's bad process. You can't have bad process. 
And, and that's what I'm worried about with a run. But I don't want to see anybody go. I don't want to see us have to flush and kick everything out and start all over again. I don't think a reset from a hierarchy perspective would have to mean that, but it certainly increases your risk that that is the path that is chosen to have taken. Next one, Soldier Shark. Kyle, love your podcast. First thing I listen to every weekday morning. Do you think that Miami didn't put in a claim for OBJ because of our limited cap situation? Love what you do and love that you made a fan of me on other podcasts with you, Joe, and Chris. Obviously, you're afraid of draft dudes. Thanks for listening, Soldier Shark. Yeah, I think the money dynamic for Odell with waivers didn't hurt. If you were going to tell me that they were going to restructure his contract when he cut was cut so that he would have a league minimum, I would have pounded the table to pick him up. But they didn't. They left him on the hook for seven point six million or whatever it was, and and I think that probably kind of put the axe in that for Miami specifically pretty quickly. That would have probably required some pretty dramatic reorganization. And Odell would have been worth the risk of the energy he brings into the locker room if it's on a minimum that you can cut at any point. But if you're suddenly on the hook for $7.5 million and you're still rolling the dice from an energy perspective, yeah, that that was they, – they lost me on that opportunity. Or I should say Odell – lost me on that opportunity not they i think the dolphins did the right thing by passing even though it would have been very tempting if you drive a lot spend a lot of time in a car you have to get get upside it's an incredible app for everyone who buys gas listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. It's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. People who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. There's no catch. The cash gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. The line is the title of the next review from Bodhiki or Bodhik. Kyle, over 30 years as a fan of this team, I'm genuinely frustrated this year, not by wins and losses, but by the obvious lack of proper coaching and improvement on the offensive line. Is it really possible that we missed on every pick and signing on the line, or are the coaches not up to snuff? In my honest opinion, the offensive line drives the whole team. It allows the offense to put together long drives, points or not points, rewards the defense with stops, with rest when they, when they get, uh, with the rest when they get them. Uh, it gives breathing room and changes the opponent's offensive choices. Your thoughts. Either way, love the pot and listen every day. Yes. You know, as we just talked about with the Greg Little thing, there is a talent scarcity across the NFL at the offensive line. So what the Dolphins did with their 
ideology and approach was they said, we want to go get physically talented players and we're going to bet that we draft and develop them. That draft and development, other than Robert Hunt, has not happened. And what you are left with is physically talented, but technically unrefined, sloppy offensive line play. And the extension of that is you will, I guarantee you, if the Dolphins are to start cutting weight off of with these highly selected guys, I would be willing to bet any number of them could go into a different opportunity and play better. And that is because of coaching. So no, to your point, if at some point every single offensive line choice that you make looks bad, both veteran-wise uh, from free agent signings and in the draft, either you are the worst talent evaluator at all time, but even then you are bucking statistical probabilities to the umpteenth degree or the application of your talent and the system that's in place to communicate your calls, everybody being on the same page, everybody seeing the same thing in the front, everybody having good fundamentals and technique to execute what they're supposed to, those systems are failing you. And for me and my money, there's no question in my mind, the systems are failing the talent that is in place. Now, some of these guys might just not have the dog, right? Because it cuts both ways. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every offensive line choice the Dolphins have made was a proper one, and they're just not getting coached right. Law of averages says that's nearly impossible, too. Every single addition is, is going to be a coin flip. I am cautiously optimistic that Austin Jackson may continue to develop at a guard position. But if you ask me right now, I would say he just doesn't have it to play on the offensive line in the NFL. Robert Hunt's the other side of the coin. Michael Dieter, his coin's still spinning in the air. Liam Eikenberg, very interesting to me that a guy who was very technically refined, very productive, very efficient as an offensive lineman, gets into this Dolphin system, yes, the guys on the edge are a little bit more explosive. Yes, his length is a little bit more problematic. But everything about Liam Eikenberg as a football player has gotten worse since the start of the season, which was worse than his time in Notre Dame. I think it's coaching. Mr. Car Guy, 99. Great podcast. Enjoy listening to you talk Dolphins. David from the 5-6 Kings podcast recommended you. We'll give you a listen. Thank you for listening, and thank you, David, for the recommendation. Question, do you think it's realistic for Flores to keep his job by hiring an offensive-minded coach like Kyle Shanahan if he becomes available? Really think the team can thrive if Flores is able to put his focus on the defensive side of the ball and let someone run the offense? So this was, in my opinion, what the thought process was with the Jane Gailey hire and the supposed Jim Caldwell hire. I think this is how this is supposed to work. But you mentioned Kyle Shanahan. If Kyle Shanahan, the perception of Kyle Shanahan is so high, no matter what happens in San Francisco, and his winning success is not where his perception as a coach is, 
teams will be falling all over themselves to hire Kyle Shanahan as a head coach. Even if he gets fired this year, he is that highly regarded across league circles. So I don't think Shanahan's the right name. I think Doug Peterson is uh, an interesting name to me. If you're making a head coaching change or potentially I could potentially see a pathway for him uh, to be an offensive coordinator, given the fact that he uh, is currently not with 18, took a year off after the ugly split between him and the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not going to sit here and give you a bunch of rock star 10 out of 10 names. But again, much like offensive line play, there's a scarcity. Because you look at some of the, this, this was interesting. I thought this was interesting. Think about all of the candidates that were associated with the Dolphins offensive coordinator spot and the other guys in other spots. Uh, Matt Canada in Pittsburgh. How's that offense looking? Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger being the, the quarterback and trigger man is a big piece of the problem, but the offensive line is not particularly talented. It's not a home run hire. Mike McDaniel, run game coordinator with San Francisco, stayed with the 49ers. Offensively, quarterback play is limiting. It's not a home run hire. Heck, even Joe Lombardi, who went to the Chargers, He's turned Herbert into a dink and dunk quarterback. Herbert had one game, and I know that, that Mike Williams is injured for the Chargers, but they had a game this past week where uh, I think Herbert had four pass attempts beyond 10 yards downfield. So again, there, there's a scarcity. So I can give you names, and I can give you names that I think make sense for the talent and personnel and, and have ex the kind of experience that we want. But you're probably going to hear some of these names. You're going to go, ooh, really? Like, do we have to consider Brian Schottenheimer? Do we have to consider Doug Peterson? I don't think anybody should have that reaction without Doug. I think Doug is a home run perspective from a Super Bowl winning coach, uh, off the Andy Reid tree, uh, very creative in the screen game and RPO. A lot of the scheme throws that Miami currently is using at a high volume for Tua Tungvalu as a quarterback. Pro player coach, good relationships across the league. Doug's a home run if you can get him. But I do think I, I do agree with you, Mr. Car guy, that uh, this objective should be identifying somebody to come and, and own the offensive side of the ball. And I think they've tried to do that to some degree. Mr. Pizza guy thinking outside the box. He's just taking everything that we talked about and he's taking it to a new level here. This is interesting. Started listening the same time you started the show. You built the bar high. Thank you for listening. Pizza guy watching this Ravens Thursday night game and pondering would the dolphins consider co head coaches. McDaniels is offensive coach and Flores is defensive coach set a new normal. I doubt it. Um, it get, at some point, I think about what it was supposed to look like in 2019. Jim Caldwell was going to be the assistant head coach and presumably own the offensive side of the ball. I don't think you're ever going to get a team that would name co-head coaches. Uh, there's already 
kind of a perception of having too many cooks in the kitchen just on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, your vision includes an offensive coach who owns the offensive side of the ball, defensive coach. Uh, but your head coach is more uh, CMO or CEO than he is anything else. He's responsible for the big picture stuff. He's just responsible for the operations. He's responsible for handling player uh, relations. And I think that's what's tough about a lot of head coaches is they get hired based off of their X's and O's. And then you step into this role and you're the, the X's and O's, I don't want to say they're secondary, but they're almost secondary to a lot of the other administrative things that you are responsible for as a head coach. So I think you can have this two pronged approach, but I think it would be a head coach and assistant head coach, not co-head coaches. MK Dolphin for life. Power of the pod, three words, Javon freaking Holland. Kyle, our defense played lights out, but man, Holland was all over the field. Do you think this defense would continue to show up like this for the rest of the season? And if so, how many wins do you think we can finish with? Oh, you are baiting me, sir or ma'am. Baiting me to finish with a wins total. I would like to think seven or eight is not outside of the realm of possibilities. That would have to be, obviously, one hell of a finish because right now you got three. I will say I will set the over under for my perception at seven and a half right now because I think through week three, I think I dive bombed all the way down. I said this is seven win team. So I'll say seven and a half. We'll go from there. But yes, I do think the defense can continue to. I think the worst is behind them because their communication and their menu is bigger, which means they can throw more at you. Uh, they are, are more aggressive. I think the coaches are trusting their guys a little bit more. So I think this defensive play is sustainable. Uh, and that's the exact question that G. Kaim, George, asked as well. Is it feasible for the Dolphins to play this type of defense week in and week out? I think so. Uh, Finkel is Einhorn, red zone offense. Great name, by the way. Kyle, it's crazy, but I think Waddle does have the ability to run routes deeper than five yards. It was a great win against Baltimore, but I still see a lot of the same issues with offense, including red zone offensive play calling. What would you like to see the red zone offense look like, giving you a second somewhat sarcastic question. Why can't Michael Polardi, Polardi kick good? Uh, Polardi, yeah, he's been a big disappointment this season. As far as what the red zone offense should look like, this is tough uh, because the red zone is such a congested area of the field. And it is very difficult to find throwing windows that you're comfortable with. So I would like to see us, and I don't know exactly what their ideology is right now in implementation. Um, I would like to see us run uh, kind of man beaters and zone beaters and, and go half the field on one concept and half the field, a different kind of concept. And I don't know how they call plays right now. I'm not familiar with the playbook. I'm not familiar with the ideology that they're implementing, but, 
to know that if we get a zone look, then we're going to work this side of the field. And if we get a man look, we're going to work this side of the field. And you know, that way you should at least have an answer baked in no matter what kind of coverage that you're going to get. Um, I think you have to give as many answers as possible for a young quarterback in the red zone. But it all comes back to, like we talked a little earlier, uh, the offensive line, right? You have to force people to respect your ability to run the ball. And Miami running the ball, unfortunately, is just an afterthought right now. Not an afterthought is Built Bars. Uh, Built Bars, protein bar that tastes like candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They got 100% chocolate on all their bars. They're absolutely delicious. They got nine different flavors for you to choose from. So whether you want something to grab and go, midnight snack, meal replacement, post-workout, you name it, Built Bar can be it right now. You can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order order. Meanwhile, our friends at Bet Online are back with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. Finn Fan Tommy, five stars. Love the show. Thank you for always being honest, no matter how bad it is. Finn's up, no question. Tommy, it is my pleasure. Last iTunes review question. We had a lot of them, and that is the challenge. When we first started doing this show, you get four or five iTunes reviews and you say, oh, okay, cool. Like I'll always get to the iTunes reviews on Power to the Pot. Well, at its peak three weeks ago, I must have got 30-something <laughs> reviews of the show. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I, I physically cannot do all of the iTunes reviews. And I know I've been telling you guys that I can't do that. FinFan927. Kyle, this game was just the game this fan base needed to wake up and realize we have guys on this team to build around and be excited about. I agree because a lot of those guys played in starring roles. Wins are what they are this season now, but seeing players start to show up week after week is really what we need to focus on. Do you think Holland is on par with other D-Roy candidates? I think his play the past month has absolutely been. Uh, I think it might be too little too late when you think about what Micah Parsons has done in Dallas. He's been a pass rush threat. Uh, he is a ball magnet. Uh, he's making plays in all phases, and he's on a winning football team, a team that has a bigger market and a bigger draw than Miami, unfortunately, in Dallas. Uh, I think Micah Parsons, unless Micah Parsons gets hurt uh, from here on out, and obviously I wouldn't wish that on anybody, uh, I think the the Holland push might be too little too late unless he starts getting a lot of dynamic game-changing plays, which, hey, I'm here for it, and let's find out. <laughs> but, uh, yes, his play has been tops of the top for the past month of the season. It's been an absolute delight to watch, and I agree with your perspective uh, that there are a lot of exciting storylines, just unfortunately not playoff and team success right now which brings us to our last question which came through it 
4.30 this morning, sir. Must be on dad duty like I was the other night. Curious what you think of some of the discrepancies and how you view the performance of Jalen Waddell, Robert Hunt, and Jalen Phillips versus other media, including podcasts, who largely at best are lukewarm on all three. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't listen to a lot of the other outlets, mainly because I am very involved in my own process, not because I'm not interested in hearing what my colleagues think. I've got a lot of respect for anybody who does this. And it's okay to have a difference in opinion, right? As long as you're respectful about it. I think for me, personally, it it comes to process versus results. And if you are looking at these players in question, I am likening it to evaluating draft prospects which I do full-time for the Draft Network. That is my full-time job. And I don't say that to say that I never miss because I've certainly missed quite a bit. You always do. Because a lot of these players, their results are dependent upon the situations that they're in. But I say that instead to say that I have a player evaluation process that is not just rooted in the results on a play-by-play or a down-by-down or a possession-by-possession or a game-by-game basis. The results are obviously very important. But with young guys where they are still developing players and they might not be in this situation, this environment with these coaches and this system for the entirety of their careers, you're thinking and you're evaluating them much like you would evaluate a college prospect and say, okay, what's the ceiling? What is the current skill set? What is their trajectory? Are they showing improvement? Can they do more? And I look at all of those guys, and my answer is the physical talent is very good. The results are high variance at times, intermittent, uh, not optimized. But these are young players, and they're showing that they are getting better. They are finding more ways to make an impact. In the case of Jalen Waddle, Jalen, just put the put the tape on and watch Jalen Waddle run his routes. He turned Marlon Humphrey inside out six times against Baltimore. Marlon Humphrey is one of the best corners in the AFC, if not all football. Getting paid eighteen plus million dollars a year, he is a phenomenal corner. And he turned Waddle turned him inside out six plus times. Was he targeted on all of those? No. So he can't really control that. There are instances of him getting wide open. Jalen Phillips, you see the movement skills. You see a little bit more deliberateness with how he's attacking the hands of offensive linemen now. He's getting better. If your expectation was that the Dolphins are going to draft three guys that are coming and going to come in and be all pros right away, your perception versus the reality across the league probably wasn't properly aligned. Now it is disappointing that Miami with the 2020 class in particular drafted a bunch of guys that are long-term developmental pieces in Austin Jackson and Nolik Benogany and Robert Hunt with a position change uh, when they ended up having the, the team success that they did right away. 
But my process for evaluating players is not, I'm, I'm focused on the results, but I'm also focused on their individual process of getting better as talents and how high their ceiling is as talents. So it's a little different way to view the game. And, and I, I don't know what necessarily the, the specifics are of discrepancies that exist between my viewpoints and others. But I can tell you that that's my process. And somebody who has a draft background, that probably is a unique process to a lot of other people. Hope you guys enjoyed. That's going to do it for Power to the Pod today on the show. We are going to go ahead and wrap this up. Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Fins up. Thanks as always for listening. Make it a great Friday. We will talk with you again very soon. Jets hate week. Jets on Sunday. MetLife takeover. It's going to be a good time. So make sure you plan accordingly. Let's go get a dub. Fins up.